This is an ABC podcast. What does it take to peel a banana? It's something most of us can do without thinking. But imagine making a machine that could operate with that much dexterity. That's what Jeff Spinks is trying to do, kind of anyway. I'm Tegan Taylor and this is Occam's Razor, a soapbox for science. This week we're hearing from Jeff Spinks, a materials engineer whose focus is on creating teeny tiny machines that could fit inside your body. Thank you. So I want to talk about muscles and I thought just to get the the conversation started, I thought we'd do a little exercise so we get our own muscles moving, right? And so we then think about how they work. When I say, just put your hand in the air, wave it about a bit and then put it down again. You ready for that? Put it up, wave it about, that's great. Now put it down again. Awesome. Probably most of you did that without any effort at all, but actually your bodies and your brain have just accomplished a really amazing series of truly amazing feats. First of all, when I spoke, I released a pressure wave that went through the air in this room and entered your ears and made your eardrums vibrate. And that caused fluid to slosh around in your inner ear and that triggered some nerves that sent electrical signals into your brain. And in seemingly no time, your brain has processed those signals and sent new electrical pulses along motor neurons to the half a dozen or so muscles that activate your shoulder and coordinated those activations to lift your arm up into the air and wave your hand around and lower it again. Now, when the nerve signal reached your muscle, that triggered a cascade of chemical reactions that caused tiny little fibrous protein bundles to slide over other bundles and all of that added up to muscle contraction. And the muscle pulled on tendons and the tendons attached to bones and that caused rotation like around the joints like in your shoulder. So that's really amazing, right? And I think every one of those processes is fascinating and and deserves more discussion. But I just want to focus on the last bit, the muscle contraction. Because there's nothing else that can do what muscle can do. In its simplest sense, muscle is, is an engine. It takes fuel and converts it into motion. In the case of muscle, the fuel comes from the food we eat. Now, engines exist all around us and motors as well, but no motor or engine can match some of the characteristics of muscle. Muscle contracts silently. So what motor or engine has a truly stealth mode? Also, muscle operates or contracts at near constant temperature. So contrast that to the engine in your car, for example. And the other interesting fact is that muscle exists in nature at a wide range of sizes. The biggest muscles are many kilograms in size and the smallest muscles are just milligrams or micrograms. And actually, it's the existence of these tiny muscles in nature that is one of the motivations for people like me in developing artificial muscles. So artificial muscles are made of synthetic materials And they're usually in the form of fibres or thin films. And like muscle, they respond to some sort of stimulus and change their size or shape. Artificial muscles can respond to different stimuli. Some respond to heat. Some respond to an electrical voltage. Some artificial muscles are stimulated by certain chemicals. Now, we can make artificial muscles out of all sorts of different types of materials. In our own research, we started looking at quite exotic materials like conducting polymers and carbon nanotubes. 
But our best performing artificial muscles are actually now made from ordinary everyday materials like fishing line and sewing thread. Now there's lots of potential applications for artificial muscles. First of all, artificial muscles that could potentially replace our own muscles. Secondly, applications where we need movement but volume is really limited. And thirdly, applications where we can harness the energy from the, the free energy, I call it, just from our surroundings. So I am often asked, can artificial muscles be used to replace diseased or injured muscles in our own bodies? And actually the short answer is no, or perhaps not yet. Of course, artificial hearts already exist, and they're mechanical pumps powered by electric motors that are implanted in the body, but they don't usually last all that long. One of the reasons, partly, is that the body uh, recognises the artificial heart as foreign and tries to react against it. Blood clotting can be a real problem, and that can lead to the onset of things like stroke. An alternative design is to create a pump that doesn't have any direct contact with blood. So we and others are looking at sort of sleeves that fit neatly around the outside of the heart and compress the heart from the outside. Now, in fact, we've developed those kind of sleeves and we, ha we do have some promising preliminary results, but I really have to stress that there's huge hurdles to overcome before these sleeves could actually be used in people. Our sleeves, for example, are powered by artificial muscles that respond to heat. And the temperatures that we need to operate those muscles are far too high to be safely used inside the body. Also, our artificial muscles consume a lot of power and that means that the batteries that we would need to run them would drain very quickly. And thirdly, we just simply don't know whether those materials we use are safe to implant inside the body for long-term use. They're not necessarily insurmountable problems and we do continue to work on each of them because there is a real need to develop artificial hearts and, and heart assist devices because many people worldwide suffer from heart failure. There are other medical applications that are less stringent in their demands. For example, artificial muscles that are used outside the body. It's a real challenge to make prosthetic hands that can function as well as a healthy human hand. A healthy human hand, it has amazing range of motion. It can produce all sorts of different grips. All of that motion is powered by about 20 individual muscles that sit in our forearm and in our hands. Powered prosthetic hands do exist and they use multiple electric motors, but we simply can't get enough motors into those prosthetic hands to give the same range of motion as you get out of a healthy human hand. So this is an opportunity for artificial muscles because they're just thin fibres or thin wires. So people are actually working on building prosthetics that use artificial muscles. Of course, if you can do that for a prosthetic hand, you could then also put that onto a robot arm we don't yet have robot grippers that can thread a needle, peel a banana and play the violin. But maybe with artificial muscles, we'll be able to develop those kind of grippers in the near future. So actually, these are applications where we need movement, but we don't have a lot of space. And in fact, it's been very difficult to downsize mechanical machines. There's not many powered machines that exist that are less than one centimetre or so in size. The Guinness Book of Records says that the smallest watch movement is about the size of a grain of rice. And someone has made the world's smallest working circular saw that could fit on your thumbnail. Now, you think about these machines, they involve many different parts. 
So I think you can appreciate that assembling these parts, fabricating these machines, becomes almost impossible at the tiny scale. Now that's where artificial muscles have an advantage because they're really simple, they're just a fibre or a film. So we should be able to attach those to machines in a much simpler way. Earlier this year, researchers from the University of Southern California produced a tiny little crawling robot that was powered by a single artificial muscle fibre for locomotion. So these are some examples. There's another area, the non-medical area of application for artificial muscle that I'm really excited about. And that's using artificial muscles that can harness the energy just from our surroundings, things like heat or humidity. So there's something called low-grade waste heat, and it's very common in industry. It's where you get temperatures of about 100 degrees Celsius or thereabouts around furnaces and ovens and other processes. Recently, we've made artificial muscles from fishing line that contract when they're heated to these kind of temperatures. So now we're interested in applying those fishing line artificial muscles into machines that can operate when exposed to this waste heat and contract. And that contraction can then turn shafts, and those shafts are attached to generators and can produce electricity. So we want to take this waste heat and turn it into electricity. We're also modifying sewing threads and making them into artificial muscles that respond to water. And we think we can actually make low power dehumidifying machines just by using these muscles to absorb water from the humid air and reduce the humidity. So these applications are just one of many. Now I've been involved in developing artificial muscles for quite a long time, it's been a long journey. And I've learnt many lessons over that journey. One lesson that I keep learning over and over again is that it's actually really hard to make new technologies work. So it's quite easy to dream up some sort of new material or to design some sort of new machine or engine, but it's so much harder to actually build it and to make it to work. There's a, a saying attributed to Chinese philosopher Confucius from about 500 BC. It says, I hear and I forget, I see and I remember, I do and I understand. So ultimately, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to understand how artificial muscles work so we can make them work better. Now, making materials, making devices, making machines are a really important part of that process, especially when they fail, because that's when we learn things. We have a saying in the lab, and that's simply, keep going. But now it's time for me to get going. So thanks very much for listening. Thank you. I'll never take my ability to wave my arm in the air for granted again. That was Jeff Spinks, a senior professor in materials engineering at the University of Wollongong, speaking at our Occam's Razor live event at Science Space Wollongong in December last year. I'm Tegan Taylor, your Occam's Razor host, and I'll be motoring back into your feed again next week with another Scientist's Insights. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.